Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps, and I'm here with Elizabeth Helley and Tyler Hymanson. And welcome, everybody. Welcome our new listeners on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, whatever it is you listen on. Eliz, where can they reach out to us? Uh, you can always email us, sequelrights at gmail.com, and find all of our past episodes at sequelrights.com, and reach out to us on social at sequelrights on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Ty- yeah. Tyler, what do we love the most? We love reviews and ratings on iTunes. We love them so much that for a limited time, for a Naked Gun two and a half mm. special promo, mm. if you leave us a five-star review... We will read your review live to tape yes. on air. Yes. <laughs> it is this is your time to stand and be counted, to be immortalized on the internet digitally through sound. This is an amazing prize. We never read anything. We never read anything. It's true. <laughs> We're illiterate, so it's going to take some time for us to learn how to read. Someone someone will teach us the vowels and the sounds. We will sound it out. <laughs> and we will read your review live on air. Please leave the review. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as Tyler said, we're on the naked gun. Two and a half. The smell of fear. Smell of fear. Our what does what does smell what does fear smell like to you? Um, it smells like uh, rotten fish. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Elis, what does it smell like to you? I don't know. The, the, this movie. <laughs> what, does this movie what does this movie smell Whoa. like? I don't. What does he say? Was raw sewage. I'm, I've been swimming in raw sewage, yeah. and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's lots of smells in this movie. Yeah. Um, but this is the first sequel to The Naked Gun. Indeed. Uh, and we are gonna watch that trailer because you know <laughs> that's just eyes. what we do. We have eyes. Let's do it. Washington D.C., where violence explodes every day. <laughs> But America's toughest cop is pounding a new beat. Lieutenant Drebber. The police squad is back. Is this some kind of bust? Very impressive, yes. They're ready for action. How you doing, Trooper? Ready for love. I'm lonely, I'm lost, I need someone to hold, to love. Frank, over here. And ready for seconds in the movie that proves you can lead a cop to water but you can't make him think the water's over there Frank. starring Leslie Nielsen I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list nothing to be embarrassed about I sometimes go by my maiden name if it's not dangerous he's not interested I love that we always say we're watching the trailer. You guys, you, you, we're never watching it. We, we've never even seen these trailers. I was, I was busy laughing at Justin shaming me for doing smell work on a podcast, <laughs> yeah. which is apparently, in retrospect, a really dumb thing to what do. What does this podcast <laughs> what does it smell, smell like? like? <laughs> what smells in your car? Are you at the gym? Are you in your car? You're nowhere that smells good. Are you on a train? <laughs> oh, the naked gun, two and a half. The, the smell, smell of fear. fear. 1991. <laughs> Directed once again by David Zucker. It's been three years. Three years, and they're back. Who's back, though? Who's back? Anyone? 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 Leslie OJ. Did you guys watch the back. movie? <laughs> OJ back. Les Les Nielsen back. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen back. 
Priscilla Presley. Priscilla Presley. Back. back. George Kennedy. Back. So that's almost everybody. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty much everybody. Queen Elizabeth back? Handsome, suave villain. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we've gone from, you know, like dealing with the queen of another country. We've like almost regressed to dealing just with our own president yeah. and first lady. Which is uh, Bush Senior, so it's even like less exciting. The movie has <laughs> the movie has kind of like a little bit of a similar opening where uh, it's like a group of important people gathered around mm-hmm. a table yeah. talking about something, and then Leslie Nielsen as Frank Drebin comes in and just fucks shit up <laughs> while everyone like doesn't notice or <laughs> or notices but doesn't do anything because it's a parody thing. So. If you thought that what he did to the Queen of England was bad. Just wait until you see what he does to he, First Lady Barbara Bush. He eats oh. the shit out of Barbara Bush's <laughs> opening. His first appearance is like, there's this lovely uh, George Bush and Barbara Bush walking down this hallway and everyone's like, oh, hello, hello. And then all of a sudden this door swings open out of nowhere <laughs> and smacks her in the face and it's it's Leslie Nielsen. There's a really funny sight gag he's just where like, uh, he pulls out a chair and Barbara Bush <laughs> falls and rips off like the entire table setting. <laughs> no, like and that. then everyone sits down and then there's all these lackeys that just come in and like reset the table immediately like nothing ever happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. I did. This did kind of make me think like I feel like movies today don't have like impersonators of people as much yeah you know like so the the you know the bushes are played by these impersonators that look mm-hmm. decently like them and they do an okay job they even have a john sununu impersonator <laughs> um so yeah I, I think movies should go back to doing that <laughs> yeah now the presidents in movies lately are just like john yeah. k white guy yeah, yeah. yeah. or yeah. like the the, the like guy, guy from 24 yeah, or whatever. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, th- this, um, much like the last franchise that we went through, uh, the sequel is also an energy based movie. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. There's some sort of energy crisis, just like in For the Love of Bench. Oh, my God. And Cars 2. Why? <laughs> we didn't do Cars 2. I but... know we didn't do Cars 2, but I, it, I was, it reminded me of it. I've but... never seen Cars 2. <gasps> That's Good for um, you. I saw Cars 1 and Cars 3, and I oh, think that, really? I think I, that I'm winning. That's I've smart. seen 1 and 2, but not 3. So 3 great. You haven't seen 3? No, I didn't see All right, this is a different franchise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Naked Gun. That could be Guys, our first Pixar I would franchise. love to see Leslie Nielsen team up with Ben Jean. For a canine cop type situation, well, Jim Belushi and that German Shepherd have nothing. This on... would be our full-on zombie movie. Yeah, they're that's right. dead. Yeah. I, and that's why I'd love to see it. I watch that. I'd watch. I'd watch it. I, pro- I would too. Actually. Yeah. The Naked hey, Gun Z. That's what you get to look forward. To. That's what you get to look forward to in heaven. Aww. Where Benjamin definitely is, because because all, all dogs, dogs go, go there. to heaven. Yeah. I was like, say it together now. Yeah. <laughs> All dogs go to Are you calling our joke setups predictable? <laughs> I think you've said that like three other times. <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe, but whatever. Facts a... never facts never get old, exactly. Justin. Facts never get old. <laughs> it's a truth. Um, so yeah, this movie is uh the whole premise of this is like um this energy scientist is gonna give this historic speech at the press uh, event for the president right. about 
and and what he's going to say is that we need to focus more on renewable energy like solar panels and, and bush senior has announced that he's gonna do whatever this guy says so he's <laughs> yeah. building it up and he's like when this guy makes his speech that's what i'm gonna do yep and so there's all these evil oil barons and gas cronies that are like and nuke fellas nuke, i did like their nuclear, their nuclear. uh their organization names i didn't yes. write any of them they, you know, they were, they were they all were acronyms yeah, yeah. I, was like, I was like from the coal like federation smoke yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the nuclear federation kaboom <laughs> yeah it was pretty great uh and so they're all like conspiring against uh the whole thing to uh you know there's something nice about this by the way of of that it's special interests and and also a republican president like i'm gonna do whatever renewable energy like it makes sense like that's what that's what i'm gonna do and it's these evil corporate people and it's not subtle or veiled in any way it's just like yeah like the evil energy fuckers can you imagine a president that just did what sounded the best what the, the yeah what the scientists instead said. of what their party told them to do that <laughs> seems impossible and this is only 1991 climates have changed even in this parody movie it was like <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's oh, sad They're now like, we have sad. solar powered cars yeah. and stuff yeah. <laughs> all right well that's the end of our episode we're all gonna go cry now <laughs> about Life the state of politics terrible. in america <laughs> yeah at least we have the naked gun to make ourselves laugh. What did you guys think of this movie? Uh, like, let's start comparing it a little bit to the first one. I remember this one much more. This is oh, one that really? I remember more than the first one. Interesting. Uh, and I had not revisited it in a while, and I think I watched it a lot on television. So I have the weird mix of either I did not get that joke or that joke was not in the version because George Kennedy definitely didn't pick up a jackhammer with a dildo on the end of it <laughs> and, right. and have it gyrate at the screen. TV. Yeah. So I feel like that there's some, like, I don't know what was misremembered, what I didn't understand or what was edited for television. Did you understand in that same scene when the uh, person's like, Oh, Mr. Drabin, yeah. we have your D25 no, no, yeah, uh, no, not at all. suck machine. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and a joke that's directly lifted Frost and Powers, like, yeah. six years later. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of directly lifting, this is, again, and I, we talked about it in the last episode, too, a little bit. Um, there's a few gags, again, even though this is three years later, that are, like, straight lifted from, from the, the TV police, show. Yeah, from the TV show. Uh, like, um, for example, the one in the beginning when... Um, Frank is first going to the crime scene and Ed is like... This is an amazing gag that you can replay every <laughs> yeah. time. And Ed, Ed, Ed is like, yeah, the victim, she's right over there. She's pretty beat up, though, so watch out. And he walks over and there's like this... It's like a slobbering hunchback. Like a hunchback person. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, Frank, she's not that bad. She's, she's over there. Uh, and then it's, you know, Jane. Yeah. Um, and then there's another one on the rooftop where there's a big shootout, mm-hmm. and you see Frank and this goon shooting back and forth at each other, and it looks like they're on opposite side of the roof, and then like it pans out, and it cuts to a shot where they're just like literally across like a trash can away from each other. <laughs> That's also from the TV show. Uh, and speaking of things from the TV show, uh, Robert Goulet guest starred on the t- television show as well, and he is the main villain in this installment. Nice. Robert Goulet. Bobby Goulet. Goulet. He plays, uh, you know, the head of some oil company who is dating... Hex- Hexagon. That's right. And he's dating Jane. What? The love interest from the last film. Yeah, so we find out that uh, at some point in the interim, Frank and Jane were going to get married, and she bailed on the wedding. Right. She wanted to save the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
because she really cared about the environment, even though, like, I don't really remember her saying that. No, that wasn't the thing. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what do you mean? I did everything for you. I bought a thousand acres of rainforest, (laughs) and then I slashed and burned it to build our dream home. She's like, how could you be so insensitive? He's like, insensitive. (laughs) Do you have any idea how hard it is to relocate an entire tribe? You yep. try it sometime. <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. So it turns out that Jane's like the assistant of this uh, energy scientist who's super famous. No, she's head of PR for oh, the, okay, yeah, the think tank. Yeah. Uh, what, what was... Uh, it was the guy who played uh, Harry Potter's uncle dad. Vernon. Or, yeah, uncle Vernon. Harry Potter's dad. How dare sorry, you? Sorry. That was Uncle Vernon. Richard <laughs> yeah, Griffiths. His adopted uh, parents. Also dead. Richard Griffiths. He oh, died? Yeah. yeah, a couple years ago. He was oh. playing Dr. Albert S. Meinheimer. And he's in a wheelchair. Yes, he is. It's a very important plot point that he's in this, <laughs> you know, electric wheelchair <laughs> later on. Which or I remember. I remember. I was like, <laughs> when I was when I started watching, I was like, ah, I remember that fucker. <laughs> like, I remember this guy. I don't remember what his deal is. But then, so at one point, the the plot uh, that these energy companies have, the oil companies, their acronym is Spill. I just remembered <laughs> that's right uh, because the the. Hexagon is the oil company, and the oil tanker that's parked outside the warehouse is the Hexon Valdez. Um, <laughs> but oh, their but their their plan is they kidnap uh, Meinheimer, and they get a double. And for whatever reason, this double, uh, there's some specific name reference joke that like he was the arts council for somebody yeah, I that I'm to supposed to know who it is. But yeah, there's a couple I, of jokes I didn't understand. I think it's a Republican guy, uh, and because he's this southern like thespian type dude. But so he, the physicist is in the electric wheelchair, kind of looks like a put together like opera goer, and their double like takes off all the makeup when he's there. And <laughs> for whatever reason, as a kid, that disturbed me. And I remembered that, like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, he looks like a rat person. <laughs> it is kind of freaky, because he's got this, like, crazy long, like, yeah. hair, and then yeah. and then he just looks like, ah, with his, like, teeth. He's, like, got a gap in his tooth and everything. Yeah. yeah. And Richard Griffiths is doing a uh, parent trap situation in this. He's playing both roles. Oh, yeah. With a split screen, I'm assuming. They're not on screen at the same time too much, but a couple yeah. times they are. Yeah. But I, but that was pretty great. The whole thing is that like the double can walk. Yes. The other guy is, yeah. Obviously needs a wheel. And they they <laughs> play up that joke every time that they can. That's and great. one of them has a birthmark, the shape of Whistler's mother, mother. <laughs> which is a plot point in another uh, absurd comedy that I enjoy is Mr. Bean. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> also, the real scientist has a photographic memory. Yes. Mr. Bean also features uh, Randy Newman's "I Love L.A." Oh yeah, prominently. That's right. that's right. Fuck that song. <laughs> I don't like it. You don't I'm love not, it. I'm not from here. I don't. I love it. Is I love it God a dude. a throwback to the first movie, which is the code word of what brings Police Squad uh, down on Frank Dremen's infiltration mission? That was one of my favorite parts. He's like uh, Frank Drebin's infiltrating the oil baron guys. Yeah, and he's Secret set up. Meeting. Yeah, he set up that like. The phrase that he'll say as soon as all the rest of the police squad will come and help him will be, I love it. <laughs> and he gets in there finally. And, you know, he's been scuba diving and raw and sewage Ross, and, and all this stuff. And he gets there. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, God, what, what's that smell? <laughs> smells like someone's been swimming in raw sewage or whatever. And then he's like, I have been swimming in raw sewage. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, 
nobody comes because Nordberg yeah. uh, has like parked the van against a pole. Freaking OJ. Fucking Simpson. Nordberg. Nordberg is like I was excited that he wasn't going to be in the hospital the whole time this movie, and then I was disappointed because he sucked. Uh he's still like he's still kind of got. Uh, he has a giant like he has a giant like uh, uh, physical comedy bit. Like he has he a whole does, set piece. Yeah, and he has the whole mariachi thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, that still, was pretty. Funny. I don't know. I wanted more character development of OJ. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't know enough about him in American society. That's God right. Knows. Yeah, one no more. <laughs> There's more. Um... There's no scene where we go try and gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that we had mentioned uh, in the first film that reappears here is um, you guys were talking about how there were like these like gay jokes. Mm-hmm. And they come back in this one. Like, there's a scene where... Um, when you've had that much man, it's hard to go back. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dr. Meinheimer basically just, like, pulls his collar yeah, out. He says like, something mm. like, you'd never understand how, yeah. how much you can love a man. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like... And, like, in that same scene... <laughs> he doesn't make that noise, but that's the noise that you hear when he does the action that he does with his collar. In that same scene, uh, Jane is like talking to this like police sketch artist. Sketch artist, oh my god! <laughs> and, and she's like, "Oh, I gave the sketch artist a, a you know a description of the the guy that we saw leaving the premises." And they go to look at the pictures, and they're all like these sketches of like her as a Viking woman and everything. <laughs> and then Frank is like. Uh, yeah, maybe we should get that other guy who, uh, you know, he used to have two guys for roommates. Wasn't any problem. Yeah, let's get the sketch. He specifically said, let's get the sketch artist. That one guy who doesn't date and lives with two male roommates. (laughs) And we're like, oh, yeah, great idea. Which I thought was funny. Speaking of the the culprit uh, who, who, what they're looking for is that Dr. Meinheimer. Yeah. His office was bombed. Uh, and a bunch of people died. Uh, and they're looking for the culprit for this. And the guy that they're trying to find, the thing that I remember the most about this movie, it's a weird bit, honestly. Um, but it is this boxer dude that is like the guy who, who dropped off the bomb. His name is Hector Savage. Hector Savage. But they go on this crazy rant of like, oh, yeah, he's Kid Colorado. Where's he from? Uh, Out of North yeah. Virginia? Yeah. Dude, that was genius. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is one of my favorite comedy like, bits no, of that's, all time. That's Kid Cincinnati from Arizona. Yeah, Kid Cincinnati, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Arizona bomber. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, Frank, you sure know you're boxing. And then how he caps the whole thing off is just, all I know is that you never bet on the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It is. It is. An amazing joke. It is. It is like four people just chiming in. It's fantastic. That opening scene is so great. There's also that part where, like, you know, I, I don't know what you guys thought, but I, I kind of liked the um, the dynamic of this movie where he the whole time like Frank Drebin is trying to like win Jane back. Yeah, and like you get you you kind of get like some actual progression mm-hmm. story wise between their relationship a little bit. It gives him it gives him more of a reason to be an idiot. Yeah, like it gives him more motivation to uh, to do dumb things. Right, That's true. Where in the, where in the first one he is an amazing police detective who's also an idiot, <laughs> and there's not a real reason to reconcile the two. Yeah, where in this one, like the police chief is basically saying, "No, this girl's gonna make him do dumb shit. Like <laughs> it's gonna throw him off his game. Let's try to keep them apart uh, until they don't." 
And it, yeah, it leads to this scene right in the in that same scene with the box scene uh, where he finally he first meets uh, Robert Goulet and he learns uh-huh. uh, that like Robert Goulet's character, uh, what's his name? Uh, Quentin Habsburg. Mm-hmm. Habsburg and Jane are dating. He learns this and he's like, well, there's no reason why we can't be gentlemen, Mr. Poopy Pants or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey. <laughs> no, it, my favorite thing that he says is it's right before the Mr. Poopy Pants thing. He's like, well, no, I'm doing fine. Like, I'm dating. I'm dating everybody. Like, I'm dating an author right now. She she wrote the book on on male sexual dysfunction. I'm sure you've read it. He points yeah. immediately to Robert Goulet. And he's like, what are you implying? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I have a brief aside. Yep. Uh, I have a Robert Goulet story. Uh, I grew up in Las Vegas. Um, it's it's one of my favorite stories. There's there's a little bit of sadness to it. Uh, my grandmother, my grandparent, uh, my, my grandparents had moved out to Vegas. Uh, unfortunately, very shortly after they did, my grandmother became ill, and she's in the hospital. And it's me, my dad, my brother, and we we just come from the hospital room. My my grandpa is a boisterous New England fella who is funniest person I ever knew and is not does not have a subtle mo- molecule in his body. And so we just like had a really intense, like, you know, loving moment uh, up in the hospital and where we get in the elevator and we're riding down and door opens, guy gets on and uh, me and my brother, and my dad all know that this person, this man is Robert Goulet. He's in, he's, <laughs> he got some random test or something. He's just, it's, it's Vegas. You know, there's old entertainers. They're around. And my grandpa goes, hey, that guy looks like Robert Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then my dad goes, that is Robert Goulet. <laughs> and he goes, hey, good to see you. And then my grandpa goes, Nice to meet you, sir. And then the door opens and he walks away. And it was one of, like, a poignant moment. I was like, God damn, that was amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like most people would have waited until Robert Goulet got out of the elevator and then Not said... my grandfather. <laughs> not in that moment. He just the love it. of his life was like, like, that's what he did. He was like, yeah, hey, yeah. that guy looks like Robert Goulet. <laughs> well, in his mind, he didn't think it was him. No, it was perfect. It was so good. Uh, and so Robert Goulet was a gentleman. He was a gentleman for being in Police Squad. And he, what we love about these movies is these serious guys just going for as silly as they can be in these movies. Yeah. And everybody's doing it even more so than the first one, I think. Yeah, totally. I I like this movie. I don't know. I thought it was... Yeah. Watching it immediately after the first one, I thought it was still really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Um... What did you guys think of, uh, there's one, you know, so far we've kind of had these like kind of vague police, you know, cop show parodies or whatever. But in this movie, they have like one very specific parody of a film that is very popular, uh, <laughs> called Ghost. Yeah. Yes. Same director. No, not the same director. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, this is weird because, um, it was directed by Jerry Zucker. Oh, Ghost was okay, and Jerry Zucker is like uh, they're not you know, related at all, right? Uh, I don't know. I think they must be related. So I guess are we're they? reading the freaking IMDb trivia again. It's never. Yeah, rare. they're related. They're related. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. David David Zucker and Jerry Zucker related brothers. 
Really? Yeah, they're from Wisconsin, Milwaukee. I did not, I did not know that. That's um, but yeah, so like, yeah, Jerry Zucker involved in this film as the previous film, and like, I thought that you know I didn't know that before like looking into That's it. Fantastic. I thought Ghost would have been you know directed by some. Buddy, right? I don't know. It's more famous. Well, it's got co- its comedic elements. That's true. The Whoopi character and everything. But so. yeah, uh, so in, so in the Naked Gun, there's a whole ghost uh, scene with the clay pot pottery. Pottery it's thing. Really over the top. It gets real. <laughs> They're playing gross. Unchained Melody, just like in, yeah. The, yeah. in Ghost. <laughs> and I, what I thought was most interesting after learning this, I was like, has there been like like how many times does a director get who directed like a you know somewhat serious film? Uh, I mean, which ghost yeah. is right? <laughs> Get to be directly involved in a parody of that movie in like another major release. You know, it's like uh, Gus Van Sant and uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Okay. <laughs> I'm counting <Okay>. my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the only other example I can think of. I just thought that was crazy. I was like, and and, and Ghost came out in 1990, so this oh, one's wow. out one year later with. Uh huh. Where he's like, let's just fucking make fun of my movie. And the, and I so at that point they don't even realize how iconic that scene. Yeah, is. I was. It's, it was iconic immediately, but it probably it's was, still yeah. just as iconic yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, Like anything on TV right now could parody that, and everybody Com- would commu- know it. Community did. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought this scene was funny, um, especially when it gets into the like part where they're actually having sex. My yeah, well, it, there's it, no Titan condoms. But. It, it reminds <laughs> it, like the sex montage is one of the maybe. It, maybe I learned my sexuality from the Naked Gun movies, and that says a lot. That's um, TMI stuff. Yeah, but yeah. the but like there's, there's like there's, I can only date people with four hands. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's there's a, a metaphor cut of this where it's like it's like they're having sex and like her hands are going up like the the headboard oh, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and then it's like <laughs> oh, and it's like God. flowers opening and then like a train. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. I remember that sequence of like thinking like just bashing people over the head with a metaphor yeah. and thinking that's the funniest thing in the world. I love the shot at the end of the guy making the slam dunk. The slam. <laughs> He's just like, yes, yes. boom. <laughs> it's so silly. Yeah, it know. is. It is one of those like you get the metaphor and then it just keeps cutting. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of this romance, uh, I want to talk about the scene that takes place in the jazz club. The blue note. The blue That's note. one of my favorite. Like the pictures on the wall in the jazz club is one of my favorite things. <laughs> it's in every the world. like picture of failures throughout history, and then it ends with like Michael <laughs> Dukakis or whatever. Yeah. I think it's Mr. Rogers. It's. I think it was Mr. Rogers. Really? That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh. No. It's like it's like the Hindenburg, the Titanic. Like it's like it's it's this really sad jazz thing, and then there's like every table is a vignette of a guy at his lowest point <laughs> yeah. of like somebody like turning a picture frame over, and like a guy like like smoking his last cigarette. And then <laughs> cuts over to Frank Drebin, and then there's just Mr. Rogers on the wall. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Mr. Rogers. Okay, uh, I don't know. I didn't notice it, but um, the singer singing this like song. I guess I'm just screwed. Uh, I like. I was super surprised to find out that that lady is actually like vitamin C from the graduation song. What? Yeah. <laughs> she looks familiar to me. And I did not think that that's who that was. Yeah, what? Her real name is uh, Colleen Fitzpatrick. Uh, and this was like one of the first things that she, I guess she was in the John Waters hairspray, which I've not seen, but I guess uh-huh. she was Amber. Uh-huh. And then, um, 
she did like a few acting things and a few a few things with like a girl band and then uh, i think like you know in the late 90s or early 2000s she did the whole vitamin c graduation song and now she's an executive <laughs> I believe, at I believe, nickelodeon <laughs> i believe i was graduating the fifth grade when that came out <laughs> yeah. i mean like, and i was like are there any is there like another iconic graduation song that came after that like do kids who graduate now still listen to that song i don't even know they listen to uptown funk uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's the true. year that I graduated. The big song was uh, uh, Josh Groban, uh, "You Raise Me Up" or whatever. Like that's know. the song. The I remember specifically listening to the Vitamin C song and drinking Surge. Oh man, oh. I believe that was my fifth. Our big graduation. song was uh, like Green Day, "Time of Our Lives." Oh god, yeah. yeah, that was the band video song. It is. For us. It is unpredictable. <sighs> didn't, they, didn't they use that song in the series finale of? Uh, Seinfeld or something? Probably. I think they did. Oh, really? You would know. Or maybe no. There was some. <laughs> there was some big TV show around that time that had the season finale or series finale that used yeah. that song. So yeah, I thought that was like such a weird connection. I guess because I I didn't think it was like the correct era for that to be possible, but it makes sense. Like if she was like in her you know early twenties and then, yeah. like in her later twenties when she did the graduation song but. this uh this scene that we're talking about in the blue note has like i think what's probably my favorite joke in the entire movie um and it's an opportunity for the movie to be like meta in a little bit mm-hmm. uh where <laughs> yeah. leslie nielsen's like at the table and the waiter comes up and he's like what do you want and, and he's just like give me the strongest thing you have and like they come out with this dude who's like a strong man. He's like shirtless. It's all oily. Ripped. He's like Sando. He's, He's like... ripped and totally, yeah, totally like oiled up, like Ela said. Um, and he, and Frank Drummond goes, uh, no, never mind. Maybe I'll just give me a black Russian. And then <laughs> and then the waiter looks straight at the camera, shakes his head like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Because the whole thing is like yeah. everything is taken literally. Yeah, yeah. In these and movies. he's just like, he's like, no. He's like, I'm not gonna bring that up. <laughs> Don't worry. No. But the way the, the waiters the waiters read on it like this actor plays it perfectly. It's so because, great. Because what his face says is, oh, we have it. Yeah. And he's like, but no. But I'm not gonna do it. That's yeah. too much. <laughs> There's still more movie. You guys. Yeah. I did like too when he finally does sit down with Jane and they're right next to the piano and of course the piano player's name is Sam and like they reveal that he knows both of them because they've both been and, around wait, DC and, like, and, this, and yeah this movie is in DC now like the first movie was in LA like they're for some reason they moved the whole police squad to DC yeah and and they, they do not know each other yeah and so Jane is like, "Oh, Sam, like, just play our song one more time. Play it again." And then he just sees like he sees her and Frank, and he's like, "Okay." And he just goes into a rousing rendition of "Ding, Ding Dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch, Mitchell witch." And Frank's immediately like, "Oh, no, 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 not that song, the other song." No, what he says, what he says is, "You really know how to how to how to pick at the old wounds." <laughs> Not that song. It's too painful. Yeah. <laughs> so then he just goes back to a little decorative jazzy piano. That was so funny. Um, and then possibly, I don't know, one of, maybe one of my favorite jokes comes a little bit after this, just because I love to make fun of the Boy Scouts uh, for no reason. <laughs> yes. But uh, Frank, you know, Jane has gotten mad and she's storming off and saying, like, that's why you must be single or something like that. And he goes, yeah, I am single. I'm single and I love it. I haven't had this much sex since I was a Boy Scout leader. And the entire <laughs> restaurant, like, stops talking. The piano stops. Everybody stares at him. And he's like... 
No, I didn't. I just meant that I was dating a lot at that time. It's not no. I oh, like so, that was so great. It is. It is an amazingly distasteful joke <laughs> yeah. that would only play if you have Leslie Nielsen delivering it. The yeah. sad part too, uh, not to make this too serious, but like. Obviously, allegations in the Boy Scout world had already come out at this point. But if you think about it, like, th- that was not even, like, when that scandal would have been, like, really of the moment. Like, yeah. it was right early on. Like, this whole thing, it goes on for, like, 20 years after that right. and gets worse and worse. So it's pretty crazy that there's, like, a joke yeah. in a major movie calling this out and they still didn't do anything for, like, 20 years. That is really messed I mean, up. these movies are subversive i mean yeah. these movies like they 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 are jokes in there that really I, I feel like that that would be controversial now and like that they really don't pull a lot of punches and i respect a lot of mm-hmm. that in yeah these movies yeah yeah anybody else have any favorite parts of this one the whole blue note sequence is amazing to me uh i if you remember in the first one, one of my favorite things was the fake baseball bloopers uh, <laughs> where a player gets mauled by a tiger. There is a throwback to that in this oh movie God, that yes. is one of the funniest things in the world to me. I almost forgot about this. It's a throwback to the first movie in multiple ways because it's somebody who uh, Robert Goulet falls off a building. Yeah, well, I'll set it up a little bit more like early, early in the movie. <laughs> uh, Frank Drevin. <laughs> Gets into a police tank. And... Yeah, because one of one of those things, you know, like yeah. a police tank. Well, from Die Hard, we know they're a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so he totally ruins this, this uh, standoff and then drives the tank through a bunch of hilarious mishaps. And one of which is through the zoo that releases all of these animals. Yep. And you see, like, giraffes running around. Like, you, like they... There's, Make it clear that these animals are still yeah, There's, like, news reports throughout the movie, yeah. like, the animals are still terrorizing the city. And then so Bob Goulet falls off a building, hits an awning, seems to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Unlike Ricardo Montalban, where he gets hit by multiple vehicles, a marching band and everything, he's laying there and seems to be fine. When a lion comes... <laughs> And proceeds to maul him, just like the tiger that mauled the baseball player <laughs> in the first film. Yeah, yep, yep. That was pretty funny. And I think, it, uh, to me, it is it is a perfect joke that <laughs> I think is so fucking funny. It was great that there's, like, a really amazing payoff to him. Yeah. Like, which which is funny in itself, where he, like, released all these animals, and then they just keep it going. Like, yeah, and, well, and, like, and all the callbacks to the previous movie, like, it is yeah. incredibly satisfying. Uh, I have a miniature child star check-in. It's not as good as usual, but I mean, these movies need more kids. It's really the, the moral of the, the story. Commercial? It is the kids in the commercial. So at some point there is a <laughs> fake like propaganda commercial of this family talking about how they love nuclear energy <laughs> and like the where their dog has two tails. The dog has two tails and, and there's like gigantic cooling towers behind them. Yeah. Uh, and so there's two kids. There's a boy and a girl in the family and uh barbecue daughter as she's credited in the credits. Uh, her name is Jennifer Kretschmer. And uh, she did a few more acting things, but primarily has gone on to become a 
one of the main producers on At Midnight and Let's Make a Deal with Steve Harvey. Dang. That's cool. She's also worked on a lot of the Oscar broadcasts. Wow. There you go. And then Barbecue Boy, uh, his name is Ryan Harrison, and he did a couple, like, you know, he directed his own short film and things like that, but now he is one of the primary cast members on Rachel Dratch's Late Night Snack on True TV. Dang. So they've both done really well. Yeah. Yeah. Barbecue boy, <laughs> barbecue boy. We had a Rachel Dratch sighting. Um, we did. We before saw we went her. to go see Isle of Dogs. What? Yeah, she was at the restaurant. There, we she was at. She was at uh, the pizza joint we were at. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the undisclosed. Should have asked joint. her about barbecue boy. Should have. Should have. <laughs> I haven't seen that show, but I mean, like, there's not. It's not a big cast. It's a sketch comedy thing. And, that sounds awesome. I would. Yeah, love to he's see that. he's one of the main people. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the child star check in for this. Movie. That was a good one. I hope I there's love... more kids in the third movie. <laughs> I love when the child stars are successful and not dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite R.I.P. Van. That's my favorite R.I.P. Vaughn, you oh, mean? Yeah, sorry, Vaughn. Jesus. Vaughn. <laughs> he probably hated that. <laughs> well, so, uh, speaking I'm going to of... shut up. <laughs> speaking of uh, Barbecue Boy and Barbecue Girl, we do get crazy credits again with uh, right. this. Barbecue Boy and Barbecue Girl are credited under uh, people who didn't have a speaking role, but we still like them anyway. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there's people who acted in the movie again. There's a lot of people who are credited by their quotes. Uh, there was one part that was like set dresser, costume dresser, cross dressers, like just <laughs> random stuff like that. There's like... Uh, film loader, loaded filmer, like, you know, yeah. th- things like that. Or um, There was one that was like amazing. grip, and then it was like, what's a grip? And then it and was the like definition a definition of a grip, yeah. Um, there was one that was like, uh, stock answer, I'll have it ready for you in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one that was like, General Schwarzkopf, welcome home. I don't know what that, that's, that's like a 90s thing, right? Gulf War. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, and then well, yeah. somebody did get credited for coming up with the Kaboom acronym. <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's awesome. So we could all hope in our lives to someday contribute to a film with Crazy something credits. that awesome. And there was like a weird George Bush, like, voiceover thing yeah. i do i do credit this movie for not like i feel like today if you made the same parody thing it would be like ronald trump is president mm-hmm. like, like it's yeah. it, like it's straight up like this is barbara bush like it's it's the main character of the movie punches the first lady in the face it's like i don't know yeah there's not a ton of straight up parodies that come out anymore like this but yeah. like the ones that have in the you know, not so distant past. It's some neutered like, version. Yeah, of, uh, I think or they all lost... kind of came crashing down with George W. Bush because yeah. there's so much parody that it like almost became That's not true. funny anymore. And then it really wasn't that funny to make fun of Obama because he was like cool and like right. you know like I don't know like just as the media's expanded more and more, it's not as funny to just straight up parody the presidents. Yeah. Like in this kind of like long thought out way, because just, we have yeah. things that people can do so quickly. Like SNL comes out that week, and you know that kind of right. thing. And not that they didn't have SNL then, because they did. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's people just aren't making the parody movies like this anymore, whether yeah. or not it's about a president or not. <laughs> and I think that that's actually an interesting, and maybe this is a a, a little bit of a, a diversion, but I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, because, like, these movies could exist because there was three television stations mm-hmm. and cop procedurals were very popular. So you could parody something that everyone was in on the joke. Everyone knew that you were talking about. And I think that maybe the reason mm-hmm. that these movies don't exist is because there's so much nuanced right. content. There's so many things where, like, it's we're all not tuning in to watch 
not that we watch MASH, but like, <laughs> right. but the, it's, there's not the singular viewing experience. There's not the same water cooler discussion. There's not even a TGIF, which is our kind of touchstone where like, oh my God, did you see, you know, that, that family matters. And so I think that maybe part of that, what's lost is that not everyone's reading from the same source book, yeah. which is, has, I, I think is an amazing thing. And there's a lot of really wonderful things that come from that. But I think that you get away from being able to make these parody movies that can really push the envelope because everyone's on starting on the same page. And so that you can really be subversive in a way that I don't think that you can anymore because not everybody is working with the same source material where in 1991, you could still trust that everyone's pretty much watching and coming from the same place. Yeah. I mean like, uh, Right now, I would say, you know, there's room to um, probably make, like, some sort of amazing parody comedy of, like, a superhero film. But Deadpool is already kind of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least taking the comedy angle, honestly. Yeah, and there's just, like, so much out there that you you can do parodies, but they just end up being more niche. Like, it's only funny to the people that saw that property. Right, right. Like, even, like... Watching an honest trailer, for example, is not funny unless you saw that movie or at least know about it, kind of. Or, like, you know, I watch a lot of things that are, like, funny to me because they're, like, Disney parodies. But other people are like, that's not funny because they don't have that specialized knowledge of whatever the subject is. Has Seth MacFarlane tried to, like, I didn't actually watch that Thousand Ways to Die in the West A Million Ways to Die. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't very good. But was I mean, it I liked to... it because I'm like obsessed with Seth MacFarlane. I know, I think he's awesome. But like, <laughs> I, like, is that like the closest thing that we have? Probably. Yeah. I think it might be. Most recently, and there was that like I can't remember the name of it. It was called like some movie with Danny McBride that was like spoofing fantasy films called like Oh, Your Highness, Your, Your Highness. Highness, yeah, David Gordon Green, the most versatile director yeah, in Hollywood. But that one also was unfortunately not. There's just so many, like, obviously these, these guys from Naked Gun go on to start the scary movie series. And then from there, we know, well, they came in in a, uh, they came in at four or five, three Three. or four. Yeah. Yeah. They did not start it. Yeah. Sorry. Well, they go to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's been a whole bunch of offshoots of that for different genres, but it's just not as universally funny anymore because you haven't seen all of them. Yeah. I think that it's, it's some combination of that. I think that, that. TV has really filled the void in terms mm-hmm. of making those parodies. But well, and, yeah, and everyone just is looking for like the short YouTube clips. Yeah, like yeah. like Saturday Night Saturday Night Live just did a spot on parody of uh, Wild Wild Country. Yes, they did. Uh, and you know, it's like that kind of thing where it's like yeah, oh, I don't I even watch... know what that is, and I watched SNL, yeah, and see? I have no idea what you're referring to. You're like you can you this can watch, episode, you yeah, can watch this one, you can watch this one YouTube video that's like spot on for three minutes, and yeah. that's about as much yeah. as people can. Or like but... I think they had one that was about like the Real Housewives, and you guys were probably like, oh yeah, it's not that funny. But I was like, ah, I know exactly like which characters right. they're making fun of, you yeah. know. So. I... I loved it. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I meant to say which people they're making fun of because, of course, they're the people characters. are reality. Yeah. yeah. Mm, uh, anyway. Uh, oh, they're characters. Oh, right. oh. <laughs> characters welcome. Um, <laughs> What's that, TBS? Yeah. Uh, I think TBS Circle like 2007. <laughs> <laughs> characters welcome. But, I, yeah, I think it is interesting that it's uh, – uh, that, that because – these movies are surprisingly subversive to me. Like these mm-hmm. movies, like like you said, like that Boy Scout joke yeah. feels almost out of place in 1991. Uh, and I think that it can be that because everybody can laugh because they were coming from the same cultural playbook. 
Uh, and I think that it's so much more fragmented. That's wonderful in a lot of ways, and uh, but detrimental. I, I think that we get much more nuanced, amazing comedy, uh, and I think that it kind of takes away from the broad parody that mm-hmm. this movie is. There was a bunch of jokes about the Democrats, too, that I was kind of like, uh, oh, I yeah. mean, I kind of got the gist of it, but obviously the Democrats weren't having a great time at that time, well, but, but I was just kind of like, uh, some... that's, it, it's it's Nixon, then you had Carter, yeah. who everybody fucking hated universally, yeah. and then it was, I mean, no, it was a dark time no, well yeah sure, it's like leslie it's like, nielsen says something about like we need to elect more democrats and it's like george or george bush like clapping like he's just kind minute. of like oh whatever he's like oh no no like he's like i'm not dead yet we're not the democrats yeah yeah, yeah. no it was uh, i mean it no was... i mean i get it like i do get that that the democrats were like obviously not in an upswing at that time but like it wasn't the jokes even... like you don't it when you hear it you don't know like exactly what he's really like referring to specifically i guess it, I, it's just like a general like the democrats suck it's not like now where you'd make a joke about a specific thing that somebody did or a specific thing that happened in the news yeah i mean i think that it was just after kennedy was killed what yeah this is like way later than that uh, yes it is oh okay <laughs> yes it is and then after yeah Oh, yeah, I'm just, yeah, there were lots of jokes that I, there were, not lots, but there were a few jokes I didn't get. Like, there's this one scene where everyone's, like, freaking out in the dining hall, and this guy's running around with this, like, giant book, and he's like, it's just a cookbook. Oh, that's a Twilight Zone reference. Oh, okay, I was like, I didn't get that. You can see what it's called, and I was like, what? That's a really famous uh, Twilight Zone episode, and they parody it on The Simpsons, Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, you know, uh, like, how to... Yeah, ha- cooking for cooking for Cook- humans, yeah. cooking for humans. Yeah, <laughs> that one. So, anyways, uh, I know you guys said you really like this movie. How do you uh, does, do? You think it holds up to the first? You know, I think uh, I, I feel like if you were a fan of the first one, that you would also really like this. I think you know, I think there's just as many great sight gags, and Leslie Nielsen is still at the top of his game in this one. Yeah, I think that there's. Um, uh, who David Zucker directed this yeah. one? His other brother, who there's and another writer, Jim uh, Abrams. Is Jim Abrams writer. had credit for creating the television show and had writing credits on the first one. They do not have it on this one. I feel like that there is something that the, the comedy is a little bit broader. I feel like that the comedy is, and I think that I like this one more as a kid. Um, but I feel like that there is something lost with that loss of personnel. Um, I don't think that it is as sharp or as nuanced. I think that it's going for easier laughs. That being said, I still very much enjoyed it. And I think that what Justin's saying is that if you if you liked the first one, that it's more the same. But I feel like that it is a little bit watered down. I agree with that. I think overall there was a lot less of the like visual gags and mm-hmm. sort of the like I mean, not, like, totally that there were none of them, but I think just, like, the visual gags were better or more memorable in the first one. Um, I think, like, I just even us, our discussion right now, a lot of the things that we've been talking about are, like, the lines and the writing and the line delivery. There's not as many of those, like, visual things that are... Or, like, uh, plays on words. There's just not as many of those in this one, so I kind of miss that. I did not like it as much as the first one, so... Uh, there was there was like kind of long stretches in the middle that I was kind of like really bored with too, so I was never bored. Yeah. I feel like that this movie actually uh, had a had a smaller budget. I was trying to look that up right now oh. because the other one had more set pieces. I think. Yeah. Um, 
What are the things that I love that they carried through is that Frank Drebin does not how to not know how to park his fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> There, Every I was t- like, there's still lots of great sight gags. You, you know what? You know, know what? One of the things that they, they brought from the show as well is the scientist. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's one of my actually favorite jokes in this movie uh, where they're like, oh, yeah, like we didn't find any fingerprints, but we found this imprint of his shoe. And then, But even more interesting <laughs> than that, we found this dinosaur footprint. <laughs> yeah. And then even more interesting than that. <laughs> we found this petrified piece of wood, wood from Noah's Ark. <laughs> I thought that was great, yeah. Uh, speaking of visual gags, that uh, there was one that I really loved at the end. There is like this shootout on the roof, and uh, Leslie Nielsen is like shooting guys. Ed's shooting guys, and then we've got Nordberg who's like putting together like this gun. <laughs> and every time they get back to him, he's like putting on more things to the gun, like a silencer yeah. and then a scope, <laughs> and then like a bigger scope. And he, he's just like the whole scene, just like assembling this gun. And at the very end of it, he, he's got this like freaking you know artillery <laughs> piece of machinery that he just like blows a hole open in the wall and i i thought that looked funny yeah. i think that there is uh, uh so we'll get to our ratings yeah uh so start thinking about i do not have what the metric should be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but i think that there's something really interesting about looking at parody and comedy kind of back through the ages and how much it's evolved now and kind of how politics have evolved. Cause this movie is political. I mean, it is unapologetically political. And I think that it's interesting how straightforward it can be mm-hmm. and things where it's hamstrung in, in ways where it, it can be more free in its criticism. Uh, and I, I'm interested to see how that carries over to the third one. I don't know what the year is, but I think it's actually several years later. I think it might be like 1998. Hmm. We'll find out. It Maybe is we'll kind of we were kind of already talked about the sad state of our current affairs, but um, it's interesting how like back then everyone could make fun of this whole thing about like doing the right or wrong thing for climate change because I think kind of everyone sort of believed that the right thing would sort itself out and sort of like you know that we yeah. would kind of figure it out. Yeah. And now it's like not funny Thir- to make fun of that because years we definitely later. did not figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like so you're still having these same arguments. Yeah. yeah. Which is ridiculous. But anyway. Yep. A lifetime later. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> uh well despite our slightly uh you know uh dimmed uh enjoyment of this movie sure. it actually did better than the first one okay. really yeah it uh the first one made 78 million at the box office total lifetime gross this one did 86 million get those bush bucks in there i mean there's inflation involved there of course but um yeah just a few years later and it's doing better um so Speaking of what we thought of it, how many black Russians would you give this film, Tyler? I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah, I'm not, not, <laughs> not going to bring it up. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Come on, what? You can do it. Tyler's not able to talk. He's laughing too much. Uh, you got uh, this. Uh, Six black Russians and one Crimean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to go six and a half. Okay. Elis? <laughs> I'm going to say five. Oof. Okay. I gave the last one nine. I'm going to give oh, this one God. a seven. Yeah. 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 I still thought, I mean, like, I was ready for it to just, like, be 
extremely not as funny, and mm-hmm. I thought it was still pretty good. Yep. One, one observation that I've just had over these past two films is that I think just recognizing how I watched these films and how I enjoyed them, like I've actually probably had more fun discussing it with you guys than actually watching it. And I think that really speaks to the fact that it's more fun to watch comedies with other people. Yeah, like yeah. it just really is. Like when I watch it by myself, I just feel so like, eh. and then even like when I'm talking to you guys about it, I laugh more at some of the jokes than I did when I was watching it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, and let, that, let that be a lesson to you when you're thinking, Oh, I can wait for that one to come out on Amazon or Netflix. Like go to the theater, go see to the, the theater comedy. With your friends. Yeah. It is so much more fun. You know, yeah, you bring that up. And, like, I think last the last episode, there were a couple times that I laughed out loud watching it by myself. This time, there was only the, this one time. Yeah, I didn't really this time. No. And I just have to say, it was this scene where uh, Frank and Jane are at this, like, banquet. Mm-hmm. And they're dancing. Oh. <laughs> they're dancing this, like, absurdly choreographed dance together. And they're talking, like... You know, they're having a serious conversation, like, why did you leave me? And he's like, they're doing all these crazy snaps and it's stuff. It's really not any recognizable style of dance. Yeah, until, it's just like yeah, random like dance moves yeah. put together. And then he says something like, oh, well, this will definitely make him jealous seeing me dance with you or whatever. Yeah. And then they like, it cuts to like a wide shot of him dancing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the craziest, like twirling all Professional around. Professional dancers. Yeah, yeah. I, I he's love like putting her between his legs. And David Zucker was just like, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's perfect because I just need to put whoever the fuck like stunt actor or dancer yeah. in a white wig and he can do anything. Yeah. I mean, like it's amazing. No, it's the best. I was just going to be like, fuck. I mean, Leslie Nielsen is amazing, man. Yeah. I, I like, I can't imagine anyone else doing this and just like something about him where he, he has this like serious persona, but like can say these lines so dryly. Like who would you, who could you even see? I know there was at one point they were thinking about doing a, reboot of this series with ed helms it's weird though no ed not helms, ed helms ed no. helms is like primarily a comedian so no, it doesn't, think, it doesn't like, have the same like gravitas yeah, of a serious i'm, I'm trying to think of like, like of like who is i mean a lot of people these days that are you, like serious you, actors like john ham or whatever they already are yeah, like diving yeah, I, I was, I was, I was, I was like you know who can nail it is like brian cranston yeah uh, but he also started in comedy yes so i know like, yeah. But like he could read it as deadpan and yeah. make it and have the pathos. But like, but yeah. no, like, 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 who's the straight up serious? That's the easy answer. Who I understand what you're saying. Who come up with an actor right now? Yeah, let's. He- we want to hear from you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, want to hear from you guys, uh, and we'll talk about it in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, of who you think is the, what serious actor do you think could fill in <laughs> for? 2019's Frank Drebin. We want a list. Send us your emails. Uh, and we will, you know, read them out. Yeah. Um, so that's going to bring us to the end of Naked Gun, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear, which means next week we're already at the end. Like these three, these trilogies, man, like so quick. they go so fast for us these days. And the next one is called The Naked Gun, 33 and a Third, The Final Insult. <laughs> <laughs> All we right. Cannot wait. Uh, send us your actor recommendations we will discuss them next episode also send us suggestions for future franchises yes uh we're looking for either a duo or a trilogy just a little behind the scenes there if you have any insight uh we'd be happy to... or a quadrilogy we'll take or that. a quadrilogy mm-hmm. uh yeah so if they want to send us uh, suggestions elis where can they reach out to us you can email us at sequel rights at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at sequel rights at on twitter instagram and facebook and Tyler, 
Where do they uh, review us? You leave us, you look into this, the heavens and you leave us five stars <laughs> on uh, Apple Podcasts. And you write, uh, you write down your review on a piece of paper I, we, we will... and put it into one of those like lantern. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like floating lanterns, and you send it off into the stars. We will receive it. We will receive ten it. days later. Uh, so, yes, uh, leave the review on Apple Podcasts. We will read it aloud. We will pick the best, most entertaining one. And if it's just you, guess what? You won. Um, <laughs> winner. And we will see you guys next week. Yeah. Um, and before we go, just in case you guys missed uh, the first episode in the Naked Gun series, don't miss it. We had a, little, a lot of fun on that one. And Eliz had a special uh, guest Indeed. interview with uh, uh Yeah, we put in after the recording, uh, I was able to get a hold of Dr. Ken Dai, who was the director of the Rice Band when they lent their audio to this to Naked Gun. And then he is also formerly involved with the USC band and is the current director of the Notre Dame band. So he has like a bunch of random connections to the film. Yeah, so get on it. Listen to the Naked Gun one. Listen to the Naked Gun 2, and come back next week for the Naked Gun 3. And a third. We'll see you then.